Alright, it's me, Liam Gallagher. It's episode 75 of Crypto Weekly. Fucking mad for it, yeah. <laughs> I'm using that one. <laughs> Your people would be proud. Liam Gallagher would be furious. But I never fucking went on no Crypto Weekly, mate, mate. Three quarters of a century in and the powerhouse of the cryptocurrency podcast world, Crypto Weekly, marches on. This week in the news. Facebook admit that Libra may never launch. Excellent joke you've had on all of us, Mr Zuckerberg. The Chinese have been purchasing huge amounts of tether to get around local laws. The IRS send out the first letters demanding payment of crypto-related taxes. And you can now pay for public transport in Brazil with Bitcoin. Well played, Bolsonaro. I'm joined in the studio by one Dr. P Money. He's back. Howdy. For one week only. Fleeting visit. What are you drinking? Tinto, courtesy of the boobs. Fantabulous. Mr. Jory Prince. Hello. What are you on, my friend? I'm on the council part, mate. Oh, very lovely. Because Bublé forgot the Springo. I was going to say, you did order a sparkling water. I did. And I was, I was rudely ignored. We're coming to him next. Bitcoin Bublé, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> First fuck up of the evening. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be <laughs> many, be many last. more. What are you drinking, friend? Tintec. Courtesy um, of me. Yeah, well done. <laughs> At least you remembered that. <laughs> Mr. Beakman. Why I, Pat. What are you drinking this evening, friend? Uh, a pint can of Cronenberg. Oh, very posh. I am your host, Crypto Ken. I'm also drinking a Cronenberg brewed by the Heineken family. Heineken, the best there is. Um, <laughs> Definitely not that catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> the best a man can get. The best a man can get, we'll go with. Heineken, shit beer. <laughs> shit beer from Amsterdam. If you enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash crypto weekly and help support the show because we can't actually get real advertisements from Heineken Company. Without further ado, it's time to get on with the news. Facebook have had a re good Josh and it turns out that Libra isn't actually going to happen. Can anyone say any more on this? Nailed it, Kev. Was this them trying to uh, make fun of the whole crypto space by saying, look how easy it is to write a white paper and get loads of people on board? Well, I feel like if you're Facebook, you can do anything you want and get loads of people on board. What do the companies that were partnering with them have to say about this? Have we reached out to the likes of PayPal and that lot that were getting involved? Putting up the ten, supposedly putting up the ten million. Are, are they all in on this joke? Stripe have got a lot of egg all over their face. I am sure. So yeah. before we go too deep into Facebook, we're having a joke narrative. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably got something to do with governments from around the world trying to make sure that Facebook do not have the global currency. Big Zuck lad is like, oh, it might not go that well for us. It might not get delivered in a timely manner or at all. Said something like that. Basically because the Illuminati is like, not this time, Zuck, you little bitch. See what we can do to screw you over. And uh, in turn, helping our ETH bags. 
Um, I assumed that Mr. Zuckerberg was a member of said Illuminati anyway, though. Probably hasn't made enough sacrifices, Ken. But that's not to say that the Illuminati don't have <coughs> internal conflicts. It sounds, to be honest, I think the Illuminati is almost definitely behind Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, Ken, this is, this is the god-tier level of Illuminati status. We're talking about money printing. So, and creation of money and they such. They do love that. We know that is absolute top tier. You have to be in the absolute pinnacle of the Illuminati to be let in on that racket. And even Zuckerberg isn't Illuminati enough to be let through the door. Let that sink in. Let me pose this question to you, Ken. Who looks more like a lizard, Zuckerberg or Vitalik? Um, no further questions. So are you, saying, right. are you saying Ethereum is the Libra killer? <laughs> yeah i think uh something like that yeah smothered it in its crib sounds like the u.s dollar is the libra killer to me though <laughs> yeah there's a lot of people against libra the french the americans the russians obviously the indians are absolutely furious about all kinds <laughs> of cryptocurrency but yeah there's a lot of world governments that are not very cool with libra maybe they should have just fired it up before they announced it and then it would have been too late that would have been a much bigger move. Or maybe they should have delivered on that poker game they were going to give us like 10 years ago and they wouldn't be having this trouble right now because whatever, because like Facebook token would already be the world currency, but can, I digress. We can see you put the dampener on that one. Prince. We his, can, we can. Thanks, Steve <laughs> Financial networks have screwed Libra, it's over. That was short and sweet. I liked it. The Chinese have been sending tens of millions a day back home from Russia using Tether and apparently used to use Bitcoin all to get around local laws. Who can jump in on this one? I can, Ken. The story here is that your um, common or garden Chinese clothes merchant who takes cheaply mass-produced goods from China and sells them to... Apparently, it's not my words, but um, uh, people who are very much on a budget in Russia, apparently people who can't afford to go to a mall, go to these sweet, like... Um, they go to AliExpress.com, basically. No, no, they're physical markets. Ooh. Yeah, they go to, like, uh, an abandoned warehouse that's been converted into a makeshift market for whatever whatever period of time. They purchase clothes exchange uh physical rubles for said clothes meaning that the merchants that have sold that have plied all their wares have cash they then take it to a range of otc crypto desks that are operating in moscow or, or out of moscow apparently they exchange them there they exchange physical cash for of all currencies usdt the new freedom dollar can <laughs> and they do this because I presume one one advantage might be you don't they don't want to um, haul a load of physical cash around all the way from Moscow back to China, but also there are, as we've mentioned many times on the show, uh, large capital restrictions um, put in place by the Chinese government about money entering and exiting exiting their country specific or they're very very hot on how much foreign currency you're allowed to purchase as an individual. So it makes a lot of sense for these uh, merchants to convert cash back into 
US USDT, not back into, convert it to Tether. Once they're back in China, they then sell that with, without carrying any cash on them, without, without having to deposit any foreign currency in a bank account, which could be subject to the scrutiny of their government. They literally physically move back over the border and then sell that Tether for Yan to uh, other Chinese people who want it. They're doing this because there are barriers in place for them bringing back large sums of money. Doing your best uh, neutral position, what are the legitimate reasons for stopping them doing that? Uh, so I think, so the Chinese government are always worried that the Chinese people are going to lose faith in their currency and they're going to exchange it for other other currencies, the dollar or whatever else it may be. They're constantly paranoid about this. They have really harsh capital controls in place and have had them for decades. Apparently, you need uh, any individual in China needs to apply for a license if they want to purchase more than 50,000. I think it's the equivalent of 50K US dollars of any foreign currency, okay. So, which is pretty restrictive. Like yeah. Any of us could go and buy that much um of any foreign currency we chose literally on our phones probably so there it's very harsh and they do it because um i think there's a it, it stems from the underlying insecurity in the chinese economy there have been these like slowly growing questions about whether the story of this like ascendant asian tiger of a or dragon of an economy is going to just go on forever and become the largest economy in the globe or if uh, the other side of the coin is true and that half of the data that comes out of the country is absolute bullshit. Um, all the f uh, figures and stats are massaged to make things look way, way better than they actually are. And some people go as far to say that China's on the brink of uh, collapse, you know, as a result of this. This is all smoke and mirrors and there's tons of, <clears throat> excuse me, tons of overcapacity in their economy, so on and so forth. So I think, um, and as we know, all economies hang on very much on confidence of uh, their participants in it. So I think it's one way. So if there was some kind of large out, uh, outflow of money from China, it would represent um, a lack of confidence and that could spiral into something that could negatively affect the economy. In this case, we're talking about uh, people in Russia trying to move money from Russia into China. Mm. So isn't that in China's interests? Taking taking money from sales that are happening in Russia and those people transmitting it digitally well, back into the Chinese what are they, economy. What are they trading? Is there not some guy like donating lots of goods to Russia? Like, is this like there's got to be something going the other way? E well, USDT. They, they're taking tether back. They're yeah. taking tether back, but for what? They're accumulating cash in Russia. From some service or something yeah, that they're providing. Yeah. Cheap textiles. Well, Chinese business, some of which cheap textiles. are... Correct, correct. They just they describe <laughs> them as merchants. There's T-shirts going over to Russia yeah. in the form of aid because there's no transaction coming back. Or how is it accounted? Like, surely the Chinese government are going to be all over this. Yeah, the Chinese businessmen are going to bring back some rubles that are under the amount they're allowed to bring back without having to register it. They're going to ship a load of money back in Tether and they're not going to take over the over the uh, you know the legal limit at which you need a special license. They're going to take uh, back some. And they're just going to send Tether back. They're probably not going to pay a bunch of tax on it. 
also i don't think the chinese government wants loads of foreign uh like foreign currency in the hands of like unlicensed people because that could create a black market for getting out of the chinese currency and into other people's currencies which they don't really Within want China. um so yeah for all those reasons it's like uh they sort of like a gray area they call this like the gray market it's not exactly illegal but it's not really legal either but then the chinese man is sat on a bunch of tether well, this is the interesting part, Buble, because the fact that the, the merchants that bring Tether back to China seem to be able to readily convert it back into yen, yuan, whatever, so yuan, minbi, suggests market. that there's a lot of um, demand for Tether in China. And what does Tether get spent on, Buble? Bitcoin. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I, it suggests to me, I think it's quite bullish that these merchants can just ship back millions of dollars worth of USDT and, and readily convert it. Apparently, the majority of them hold it for less than a day, which is why they're completely uh, unconcerned about whether Tether is, how well... Um, Backed it is. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, that's a very little... According to, the, according to the people that operate these OTC desks in Moscow, none of them give two shits about how well it's... Um, so they, they don't hold backed. it for very long. No. They've moved from Bitcoin to Tether. But if you're not holding it very long, then the volatility of Bitcoin is... No, so they never go into... Much of a yeah, well... Issue, surely. Like, whether it's backed or it's volatile, so, same risks so, in some ways. Uh, I'm not sure about that because we've seen, like, Bitcoin can move, like, 15% a day, though. So. But if, if Tether decided, actually, to own up and go, do you know what, I've got none of your cash. You've gone yeah. from $1 to zero. But okay, those, wait, but those on stop there... Own up. That is not. We're not suggesting that Tether is not backed by any cash. We know it is. Yeah. Over to you, Prince. I think it's just an issue of relative risk on that one, Buble. Bitcoin, Bitcoin's like a fifteen percent move in Bitcoin is way more likely than the scenario you're suggesting. So I can see the logic behind. Although it would be, it would probably would represent a much much larger loss in yeah. in the in your value of Tether if that was to happen. But I don't think it's as likely as Bitcoin bidding it for fifteen percent. This feels to me like a bit of a test bed for governments getting involved. If if this is gonna if this is is circumventing some rules that China are putting in place to protect themselves, um, this doesn't seem like it's gonna go well for us. Yeah, I mean yeah. China have banned crypto twice in the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure that this uh, trade in USDT for Chinese yan, yen, yan, yun, that currency, <laughs> uh, is illegal, but they just don't seem to be able to stop it at the moment. Okay. Yeah, and I think uh, we've also got to remember that although it's millions of dollars, it's very, very small potatoes in the grand scheme of things, yeah. especially in a nation as large as China. So, But yeah, I, I think it will be something that's... Th this is the kind of thing that's going to catch the attention of governments, definitely. But it's also something that dry, like is a real use case, getting out of uh, a currency that otherwise you have very little choice of not being exposed to. Yeah, yeah. This feels like actually one of the the libertarian sort of ideals of, of what crypto was supposed to do. To be yeah. fair, I mean, they do really score a point here because this is the free market providing a solution of you know more liquidity. Mm. Uh, it with you know when the market's operating freely, although only because it hasn't been punished yet, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
You heard it first. The death knell has rung for cryptocurrency. <laughs> but there's one group looking to get their fill before it goes kaput, and that is the IRS of American fame, who have sent out letters demanding payment from those who hold crypto in the States. You thought you'd get away with it, didn't you? The IRS. They got your number, big guys. Who can tell me more about this? So they're sending out letters that start, we have information that you have or had one or more accounts containing virtual currency and may not have met your US tax filing and reporting requirements. So you got snitched on by your favorite exchange or Coinbase. And uh, they told the feds and they're coming for you if you're in America. I'd quite like to have some people reply, it's fine. We, we understand that we, we've held virtual currency and we will be paying virtual tax. Hmm. <laughs> That's good. I also, as we spoke about before the show, look forward to people claiming back their losses yeah. on buying $1 rack or something like that. Yeah. And uh, saying, yeah, I'm all right for, I think I'm all right for tax the next couple of years. <laughs> Lads, I lost 100 grand. At which point they'll go, the government will go, uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once they realise the amount that like biz alone has done its balls, <laughs> they will call this whole thing off. Mark my words. They seem to only be looking between the years 2013 and 2017. So if you're a real OG, you got a few tax-free years in there. But yeah, it's uh, Americans are especially high-profile crypto guys in America. Seem like they're going to probably have to pay a lot of tax. And the IRS seem like they're starting, starting to put a bit of work in. It doesn't seem that widespread yet, I've got to say. There only seems to be hundreds or maybe... Well, actually, just read it now, they say 10,000. So, you know, they're putting them in a bit of work, the IRS. I guess they're going to see what they can do. Yeah, I thought one thing interesting here as well was that they do... So I think they were... They said that something about exchanging crypto for services was some kind of taxable event which I thought was weird but they do also confirm that exchanging one cryptocurrency into another is a taxable event so if there was a profit made which i know there's a lot of speculation about uh whether that would be how um tax authorities would address that would it just be um exchanges made from fiat into virtual currency and then back apparently not it cites an exchange of one currency one virtual currency for another such as bitcoin into ether as being a potential source of um revenue for them essentially i do wonder how they do that though where there isn't a usd pair but you can't you can't actually dispose of that currency for that to work out its actual value at that point in time yeah like is that that's is that a normal situation in foreign exchange markets uh, have so, to go through like three different currencies to get to the yeah market. yeah they do do yeah abso- absolutely and there are ways around that even if you can't do that you can trade across what they call a cross price yeah but i think what what the question it raises for me is um are they so i guess they're denominating all the gains in usd which is going to be a weird thing as well if you're if you know you're trading for like satoshis or whatever I mean, are you? I guess you're obliged to pay them in US. You have to pay your liability in US dollars. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, it's very murky because. Is this, big, is this big enough a story to create a dump on the market in that 
people are going to have to dispose of some crypto to pay taxes. Yeah, well, I think that's why they've done it. I think this is, they're aiming for a chilling effect here. They want to, it's been a lot of things recently, the US government are, it's starting to slowly dawn on them that how major this could be, Libra being the most recent example of something that has really put the willies up them. So <laughs> I think uh, I think this strikes me as, like as Beek said, 10,000 people, that's like, it's a big campaign, but it's but in no way small change. It's yeah, it's in no way comprehensive. You know how many people in own crypto? How many people have an exchange on, on Coinbase in America? It's a hell of a lot more than that. So I think it, this strikes me as it reminds me of when you get one of those um, TV license letters through your door, and it's like, have you got your license? <laughs> <laughs> they don't read. They just die knocking on your door. Yeah, they they just want to send out twenty thousand, and like the six boomers that they've posted are like, oh blimey, I haven't renewed my license. I better send the license people ninety quid or whatever it is. Whereas everyone who knows has half a clue, throws it straight in the bin and forgets about it. Is that it. what you do? Probably. Allegedly. <laughs> But they I, do even say that on the letter. They're saying, like, that it ends with, like, if you've made a mistake on your tax return and have forgotten to add your crypto gains, whatever, go here. But looking through it, it does seem like selling it would probably be the worst thing that you could do if you're trying to reduce your, like, your tax bill. Because hmm. it doesn't seem like you get charged for holding it. Like, if you just bought Bitcoin and never exchanged it for anything... Doesn't seem like you've got any tax liability until you sell it or exchange it for another crypto or a service or something. So you're getting two taxable events. If you buy some wreck and it goes up in value and then you got to sell it, I think you only get. I think the only taxable event is like getting rid of the crypto, whether it's into another crypto, using it for a service, selling it. I think if you just buy it and keep hold of it, you don't have to pay anything until you get rid of it. So. Could uh, the old hodlers might start say, hodling hard. The maximalists, maximalist master race wins again. Yeah, just like, <laughs> no problem, mate. I'll be paying this bill in Bitcoin in no time. <laughs> so the people that are completely wrecked will be the people trading the one minute, three minute moving average crossover. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that is something that people have long been saying in America. And also, you're going to have to provide them if you are trade at like scalping making really frequent short-term trades you have to provide them with an entire your entire trade history which will mm. be mental and do you have to, so do you have, do you have to pay like what what is the, the tax rate on that are they, they going to take like 13 percent of your profit on every single scalp yeah but then you can claim off the 13 percent on every single loss okay okay oh well every you, single one should be fine in that case <laughs> So, just, I don't know if you I, can I, like, do that. We're, we're sat here very smug in our podcast studio in London. Uh, this, the rules, the same rules apply to us as far as HMRC have yes. given guidance on. Now, we want to avoid getting letters, uh, but like if you got a letter and had to provide every single transaction that you've made, how easy would that be for you to do? All views expressed on this podcast have been satire. I've never held <laughs> cryptocurrency and never will. Yeah, we're just as big a joke of, um, as Libra, really. We're, we're not into crypto at all. No, no, definitely not. Well, on to the next segment, Ken. <laughs> we're, in it, we're in it for the underlying technology. Yeah. Fact. Do, buy your TV license. License. <laughs> 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 the Beak was getting fired up about this pre-show. His love for public transport shines through. <laughs> 
oh. as now in Brazil's fifth, that's right, fifth largest city, you can pay for buses and trains with Bitcoin. The only thing I like more than buses can is Bitcoin. And now they're coming together, my two great passions, uh, in Fortaleza. Um, probably pronounced differently to that. You can now pay for, as you say, public transport with Bitcoin. Quite bullish. Not ultra bullish, Ken, but hold tight anyone in this, in Brazil's fifth largest city. Please pay for everything with Bitcoin. So they'll bring it into other cities and you can finally pump the bags of the people who are silly enough to hold crypto, not us. Is this more or less bullish than Ohio's allowing you to pay your taxes in Bitcoin? Great point, P-Money. So we don't know. So if you remember maybe 30 episodes or so ago, Bitcoiners and I guess crypto Twitter in general was pretty fired up about Ohio allowing people to pay tax in bitcoin like oh adoption get in there but what actually happened was they were going through a payment processor who would accept bitcoin and then on your behalf pay dollars to the american government now i feel like that is probably the case in this situation as well don't know for sure but i suspect that fortal fortalezas uh local government are not hoarding a load of bitcoin so we don't know for sure. I have not found any information about how they're actually receiving the money. But if so, it's a slight anticlimax. But come on, P-Money, we need whatever hopium we can get. Do you know what would be pretty terrible? Missing the last two and three trains home because you're waiting for your transaction to confirm. Especially in Brazil's <laughs> fifth largest city. Yeah. <laughs> um, Only they'd use Litecoin. Hashtag Litecoin file. Does anyone talk about high-frequency trading of crypto? Yes. Oh! You have to provide a very big spreadsheet to the taxman. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> also, interestingly, the regulations in Europe, you have to prove all of your thoughts. You have to keep a log of all of your thoughts that the bot makes. What? <clears throat> what? For the high-frequency uh, MIFID 2, whatever it is, you've got a... Um, I was just looking at this for fun, obviously. Um, <laughs> wouldn't that wouldn't dirty yourself with any crypto you have market to, you have to keep a log of every single decision that you're making or that it makes for you can't like wouldn't i don't know just send like send him a link to your github or something i don't know <laughs> rerun this over yeah. history anyway back to you prince <laughs> <laughs> on the real news story as we mentioned on the show <clears throat> The uh, the Flash Boys, if you will, the high frequency traders, have had their had their eyes on crypto for a while now, and it seems like a few more of the uh, well known or better known crypto exchanges have buckled under the pressure and decided to go full. They've fallen for the co-location meme. Can you believe it, Ken? They've decided to offer co-location to clients, which basically means the um, high-frequency traders can like put their own server where, where the exchange's server is, or they can co-locate in the cloud, apparently. God only knows how that's possible. But the upshot is, in my opinion, it's going to be um, way harder for the little guy, the crypto gremlin, if you will, out there trading in the... Uh, trading in the 
trenches trying to make a few wreck, you know? Mm. It's going to be a lot harder for them because now they're battling against the big boys. They're just going to get front run with things like Robin Hood in the way that Robin Hood does to its customers. Yes, exactly. Does this also um, add another nail to the coffin of the the TA uh, people? Well, one thing it does for certain, and this is admitted by everyone involved, is decrease market inefficiency or increase market efficiency. That is absolutely terrible for TA people. Um, whether So it's an open question about whether the market is um, sufficiently inefficient for TA to work, but <laughs> depending on who you ask... <laughs> But um, that's the most that's the most diplomatic thing I've said all night. <laughs> but one thing that everyone has to agree on is that a market that is becoming more efficient is it makes it harder and harder and harder for a technical analyst to make a an above par risk adjusted return. Basically, increasing market efficiency is it fair to say that that also then better represents what the price should be that's what the hft boys claim they say that this is all about it's all about price discovery it's all about bringing the spreads closer in you know where we'll help it's all about offer providing liquidity it's definitely not about us front running every single one of your orders for the rest of your life don't worry about that worry about the spreads narrowing but but the spreads even at uh twenty dollar spreads that's when you're talking about um the price of Bitcoin being 10 or 20 or 100K, mm. the fact that the spread is $20 isn't really, it's, it's negligible on what the price of Bitcoin should be. The price, the price of Bitcoin being plus or minus $20 is not really important. The price of Bitcoin being a, a dollar versus $10,000, I don't think anyone can say that with certainty. So, uh, yeah, I assume they mean even in percentage terms, like percentage terms of whatever it is you're trading, whatever currency spreads are going to narrow as a result of um, their activity. And I do agree with that. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that is the case. Mm. I just, my, my question to that is, is that a big enough compensation for how much, you, the little guy, is losing by having to compete against a fucking high-frequency trading firm? And my answer, my estimation is that no, it is not. But as a market buyer, do you not benefit from narrower spreads? Well, if you're buying at market... So I think, so I think the... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, you do. But if you're a market buyer, you are getting absolutely... You, you are taking it worst of all from the high-frequency trading people because if there's any... For example, if there's any time when you submit your market order and you say okay i'm going to willing to buy at any price up to say ten thousand dollars i'm willing to buy one bitcoin ten thousand dollars and before you press the mouse or before the data is sent to process your order if by some merry happenstance the price of bitcoin falls from whatever it was uh, say it was right at 10k when you pressed your market order it falls below that for a second you should get the lower price that's how it should work but yeah. in the presence of these high frequency trading firms their entire business model is that they see your order before it reaches the exchange they see the fact that bitcoin is now under 10k they buy it at whatever price it is and then sell it to you for 10k so you don't you don't benefit from that uh, momentary fall in price they they 
pick up all that benefit. They don't necessarily see the order before it hits the exchange. They're just the first ones to see it when it does, surely. They can't, they're not a proxy to you getting into the Sorry, exchange. you're correct. So it depends, it depends how it's set up. So firstly, there's a bunch of different strategies for high frequency trading. Things like uh, market making and arbitrage could potentially be beneficial to efficiency in the market. But what most people mean by high frequency trading, and in this case, it seems like people mean, is what the print said, which is uh, having less latency between yourself and the exchange and front run orders. So the way that people do it is by there are the orders go into a central place and then are distributed out different exchanges in traditional markets. So they'll go through uh, they go through a broker or they'll go through someone and then they'll go out to the different exchanges. Now the moment they get to the broker, between you getting from this broker to the exchanges and the high frequency firms getting from the information at the broker to the exchanges, they'll get there before you, so they'll front run you. It sounds like this is potentially what is starting to happen in crypto. They call it uh, cross cross connect. Uh, so some of these firms, Eris X, whoever they are, are allowing firms to cross connect. So they have a direct net network connection within the data center, as opposed to connection routed over the internet to their matching engines. So if you can get the information from the matching engines, um, like if you get the information first, and then you could get to the matching engine before a regular punter's request to, you potentially could front run. Could you explain it in terms of Binance? If well, Binance were to offer HFT, what is the difference between me as somebody logging into Binance.com and the high-frequency trader? What, what benefits are they getting? How are they communicating with Binance in a different way to me going onto Binance.com? So if a data center is located somewhere okay. and then it's routing the traffic off to different Binance servers, so if they have the matching engine in one place, right, that's mm -hmm. then sending data off from there, I guess if you're connected to the data center, like you have a, a connection to what's been sent out from the data center and a better connection to the exchanges, then you could potentially front run that. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so in this example, are Binance doing... in? I know the Binance aren't doing it, but are the are the people that are offering HFT doing that? So there's some controversy here because they're allowing what they call cross-connection, i.e. a direct network connection to their data center. But what they've done in the traditional markets that really gave the HFT firms an edge is what they call co-location, where they literally could have their servers next to each other. Right. They say they're not offering co-location, but they are offering cross-connection. Now, I don't know enough about it to know exactly the difference between that. They seem... I think some do offer co-location as well. I think it's so probably because they're not... These are probably amateur startup types and they're just running it on AWS. My, well, I know... So they, they do uh, discern between data center-hosted exchanges and cloud-based exchanges. And this is specifically to do with data center-hosted exchanges. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, you're right. I think Iris X, whoever they are, they're the ones that have recently allowed this cross connection facility. But I do know as well that Huobi apparently have up to 50 clients that are co located in wherever they have their data center. And 
um, Gemini's exchange as well. They set up Gemini's exchange in the same data center in Chicago that the major exchange in Chicago uses as well and have allowed co-location from that point as well. So co-location is being done as well as this um, cross-connection version. So they're giving preferential treatment to a set of traders it depends. It depends who you ask. If you ask all their um, representatives and head of sales, they say, no, that's not preferential treatment. That's just um, ins- we offer uh, certain products to institutional clients and certain products to retail clients. But we fully believe in uh, free and fair access to all our markets. Yeah, if you want to co-locate, you can. Yeah. Just pay the money. Yeah, yeah. you just got to be doing a lot of volume. So. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so I want to um, give a quick shout-out to the exchanges that have actually decided against doing this those specifically as p money mentioned um first and foremost is binance they've come out and said that they believe they want to be fair to the retail clients is what they've is one reason and to be fair they follow to fair them they follow up quickly and say that offering co-location um would mean they have a physical presence in one jurisdiction and Binance have been the most fleet of foot when it comes to pretending that they uh, <laughs> they don't do any business or do do business wherever they please. So I think it kind of served, it would hinder that aspect of their business model, which is to be based wherever they choose, depending on which regulatory environment they like. But also they have been really, really safe to everyone. Uh, all the crypto gremlins and BNB holders. So I do believe that they probably don't want to screw everyone over quite as hard as the rest of them. Also hold tight Kraken, which doesn't do anything differently for high frequency traders versus non-high frequency traders. So they don't offer cross connections or, or co-location. And finally, um, there's a very small exchange called LGO Markets, which has gone... Oh, LGO. Legolas, Bean Corn Special. Is that? Um, <laughs> Who was been since day one have been anti high frequency trade. Yeah, so they've put in a. Um, apparently, they batch all the orders together and each. Oh, yeah, sorry. Before getting matched, the orders are gathered into batches and the hash of every batch gets recorded into the Bitcoin blockchain. Each batch takes around 500 milliseconds to form. So this serves as a speed bump for trades. As a result, every trader has the same feedback on the activity of the platform. So says their CEO. So hold tight, Legolas. So the problem for LGO, Legolas rebranded, and I think for everyone talking about HFT, is that the HFT firms are deliberately really like, there's very much smoke and mirrors kind of tactics. They don't, they don't, definitely don't advertise this, the front running strategy they have. And they do advertise the market making and arbitrage stuff that they do, which is like the the added volume that they give, especially with market making. They bring in the spreads to the lowest possible point at which they can profit. That is beneficial. Um, I mean, loads of people on crypto Twitter use market making and they don't know what market making is. So don't listen to anyone on crypto Twitter who talks about market making. Google it. But yeah, they bring in the spreads, and same with to a degree with arbitrage, it it should help the efficiency of the market. But the way that they have like ninety eight percent success rates is by front running retail customers and basically anyone who has uh, worse technology than them. So the yeah, I think every article you see on this is going to be 
depends how you interpret HFT and probably depends how much you get paid by the HFT firms to talk about it. Thanks for the rundown, boys. That is going to bring us to the end of the news. We have finished all the news from the week. There is no more news. Nothing more interesting you will find on Cointelegraph, Coindesk, or the Block Crypto, or any of the other places that I had a cursory glance at drawing up these show notes. It's time now for Beak to bring us his extra special market watch. Pretty boring weekend. Crypto lost a bit over 2%. Bitcoin lost 3%. It's around $9,700. Lame. ETH basically break even. BNB got wrecked. Almost 8% down. Despite the Binance team burning their entire allocation. Did you say 80%? Eight. Oh, eight. Yeah, it would have been. You'd see me hanging up already if it was 80. <laughs> <clears throat> so the Binance team sold all their team tokens, reduced the supply. Admittedly, not circulating supply, but you know, overall supply by a lot. But it still dropped loads, probably because they've got a September date for the US, not be able to trade on there now. And volume has dropped all the way down to 700 million a day. So probably three weeks ago, it's like over two billion a day. So it's about a third of what it was a few weeks ago. Bit of a disaster, um, and I think it seems possible that the Binance team might have just burnt all their team allocation to try and help them out with the security thing. You know, like they're not profiting from BNB, trying to distance themselves, ally Ripple, perhaps. But that's just speculation. Uh, Bitcoin Cash. Up 7% this week. While Bitcoin, Satoshi's vision, somehow down 10%. Can you believe it? Unlimited IP, which despite not having a website, is up over 700% this year. Gained another 200% this week. UIP, which is short for unlimited IP, is a recreational copyright intelligent trading platform created by Link Entertainment's technology based on EOS. And if you want to know more about it, well, you're fucked because they don't have a website and they have 74 followers on Twitter, but they're the biggest winners this week. 200% of the week, 7% of the year, unlimited IP, no website. The <laughs> biggest winner in crypto has to be Bitcoin Buble. After two of his favorites, Nexo and KCS, are both in the top five winners this week. Congrats, Buble. Both were up over 20%. KuCoin has been reporting absolutely ridiculously huge volumes after introducing Kumex, the shittily named derivatives platform, and introducing the KCS Lockup and Burn program, also a pretty shitty name, which seems to promise holders a 50% annualised rate of return. 50? 50, that's what they claim. 50% annualised rate of return. Uh, a bunch of people are accusing them of wash trading, or at least manipulating the numbers through their derivative stuff. Uh, seems pretty likely because they're reporting over 700 million daily volume, which is about the same as Binance, and that seems to be up from around 30 million a few weeks ago. Pretty shady. Uh, yeah, so people, uh, people are accusing KuCoin, who have been pretty honest about their volumes historically, I guess you could say. Um, now people are losing a bit of faith in it, and they're paying out some absolutely mental returns, so that'll either go really well or really badly. Good luck, Bublé. Uh, news that the market seems to have given absolutely zero fucks about. Loom, which is now ranked at number 142. Fuck. Has added Binance 
Binance changed the list of blockchains that it can make interoperable, putting it alongside ETH, Tron, and EOS. It has also therefore added smart contract capability to BNB and other coins on the Binance blockchain via the Layer 2 solution. Loom is down 10% on the week for their efforts. Unlucky lads. Uh, Arc, the interoperable blockchain that promises to bridge between blockchains, but as of yet has no interoperability between any blockchains, in contrast with Loom, which has four of the major uh, cryptos interoperating with each other. Uh, they've managed to snare Noz from NEO. Can you believe it? The Noz operating system that was on NEO, Arc have prized away from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Yeah, exactly. But they're at 4% this week. And they're in number 126, 16 places above Loom. Don't forget. Honk. The biggest losers this week, topped by Japanese content coin, which lost 22% this week. Uh, you know, followed by the loads of other, the regular dog shit that has been pumped and now is dumping. Japanese content coin, never only holds it, get wrecked. Overall, slightly bad week for crypto. Prices down a little. Volumes down a lot, apart from on KuCoin. And crypto Twitter IQ levels are at an all-time low. I, it's been a real struggle to read, and I might quit soon. That's all from me and the Gremlin Gators friends. Take care out there. Back to you in the studio, Ken. Another week, another claim that Beak is going to quit crypto Twitter. <laughs> That's the end of Market Watch. And to be honest, we have delighted you enough this week so that is also the end of the show and not because we haven't actually planned any sort of deep dive so we have got some good ones coming up though Ken we do P Money is not ready to say goodbye because he's looked straight at his phone so I'm going to go to the prince to say (laughs) goodbye first it's me the Geordie Prince and you can follow me on twitter.com at hrhgeordiep that's at hrhgeordiep many thanks Mr Bitcoin Buble Good night, Ken you can find me on Twitter at Bitcoin underscore Buble. Mr. Crypto Beak. Buenos noches. It's been me, Crypto Beak. If I'm still on Twitter, you'll find me at Crypto underscore Beak. And if not, delete your Twitter account. Are you ready now, Mr. P Money? You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. P Money. I have been your host, Crypto Can. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Crypto Can Can. We've been Crypto Weekly. You've been informed. You're welcome. Good night.